Hello, hello. Welcome to the AC Visions Family Talk Podcast. I'm your host, AC. Here is where we discuss all things faith and family. I share real life stories of home life as a wife, mother of five, home educator, and all the learning curves my family and I are journeying through. As you can imagine, we're in a busy season and I have a lot to share. The goal, getting back to the basics of raising strong families. Let's talk about it. Hello, this is episode 14 entitled Detox. I mentioned in the previous episode how this year, 2023, is a huge milestone year for me and how I didn't want to go into the next season of my life as a wife and mommy on any type of medication. I'd been on antidepressants and anxiety medication for at least five years and I was just tired of not feeling myself. I was tired of not being confident to manage the stressors and triggers life inevitably threw at me, and I wanted my life back. I'm going to share how I was convinced the commercial products and processed foods were slowly poisoning my body and how I weaned off of pharmaceutical products. And I built for myself a detox lifestyle that works for me. I'm going to talk about that and more, but before I jump into that segment of the podcast, let's jump into some AC Pearls. AC Pearls, Judges chapter 7, verses 2 through 8. And the Lord said to Gideon, the people who are with you are too many for me to hand Midian over to them. Otherwise, Israel would become boastful, saying, my own power has saved me. Now, therefore, come, proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, whoever is afraid and worried is to return and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 from the people returned but 10,000 remained. When the Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many, bring them down to the water and I will test them for you there. So it shall be that he of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you. He shall go with you. But whoever of whom I say to you, this one shall not go with you. He shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water. Then the Lord said to Gideon, You shall put everyone who laps the water with his tongue as a dog laps in one group and everyone who kneels down to drink in another. Now, the number of those who lapped putting their hand in the water was 300 men, but all the rest of the people knelt down to drink water. And the Lord said to Gideon, I will save you with 300 men who lapped and will hand the Midianites over to you. So have all the other people go each man to his own home. So the 300 men took the people's provision and their trumpets in their hands. And Gideon dismissed all the other men of Israel, each to his own tent, but retained the 300 men. And the camp of Midian was a, was below him in the valley. I know we did a lot. We did a whole episode on God's economy, but I hope you know by now that God's provision and how he causes growth in our, in our lives comes in many forms. The topic of today's episode deals with battles that we can't always see coming. We don't always know when we're in it. It's, it's hard to put a name and identify the struggles, the battles that are 
um, going on with us. And a lot of people will attest to not having the skills to know how to treat those battles. Those battles that I'm referring to are the mental health struggles. By way of reminder, before we dive into the specifics of how I turn my mental health challenges around, allow me to remind you how God desires to get the glory in every season we find ourselves in. In Judges chapter 7, God told Gideon that his army numbers were too great. The number of men with Gideon was too much for God to deliver their enemies into their hands. Otherwise, God knew they would boast about their own strength and take the glory away from God. So what did God instruct Gideon to do? Reduce your numbers. Reduce your size and your strength. What happens when you're stripped away of, of power, numbers, size, and strength? For a lot of people, the temptation is to fret, worry, complain, uh, and or completely abandon the fight altogether. The first thing that the Lord sifted out of the army were the fearful and the worry warts. I love that verse because it's a reminder that there's a protection element in allowing God to sift out the people in your life that are supposed to have your back but will be the first to abandon and worry you to death with the overflow of what's happening in their heart the moment times get tough. This is especially important on the topic of fighting mental health. Even after God sifted the army who were afraid and fearful, he still needed to reduce Gideon's number. He wasn't done yet. He instructed Gideon to test each man on how they drank water. If they drew water with their hands and drank from their hand, keep them. If they knelt down to drink the water, send them home. Out of the roughly 32,000 men in the army, God chose 300 vigilant men to deliver Israel from its enemies. The real battles in life have less to do with how capable we are, how much we have, or who's in our camp. (laughs) Pineapple. The real battles have more to do with who we are in Christ how we're positioned for him to use us in the battle and how we treat the circumstances in life that challenge and sometimes will break us. Ask yourself, who's in your camp? Who is aligned to to get the glory when we come out of the battle? I'll tell you now, if you're surrounded by fearful, worrying, and unvigilant people, I don't don't even know if unvigilant is a word, but we're going to roll with it. Don't be surprised or upset when they abandon you. They're just acting out of what has what their posture is already about. It just comes to life and they show themselves the moment it hits the fan. The temptation is to blame people when they abandon, when they leave, when they're fearful, when they try to put that fear in your heart. But really, they're just showing you who they've always been. They've never been tested before. They've never had to ride with you through a storm. So in my opinion, we can have more compassion for people when they act out of that character because we, we put that expectation on them. And really when it's revealed in a circumstance and in troubled times, you know, for me, it just gives you the kind of uh, peace to release them because they were never meant to be in your camp. They aren't praying for you. Um, they they will not be there to help you if something bigger and more scary comes along. So just let God sift them out. 
Furthermore, it's not right to ask for strong, capable, vigilant, and ready people in your camp if you're not also strong, capable, and vigilant and ready to be there for other people. So we really want to make sure that we're what we're asking for, what we're needing from other people, we are that for ourselves and for other people also. I personally don't like it when people complain about not having friends and family in their camp to support them yet aren't serving and being a blessing to have as many people as God brings to them. Don't be that person God sifts out of someone else's camp before he blesses them in a mighty way. Here's an AC Pearl to wrap up the segment. Mental health does not have to be this huge, overpowering force that takes over your life and seemingly has you broken, confused, and defeated. God said in Ecclesiastes 1.9, there is nothing new under the sun. So don't be surprised. It's nothing new. The cir- it may be new to you in that moment, in that season, but there's nothing new under the sun. The circumstances we go through in life is nothing new to God. He also said in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. If you're going to boast about anything, let your testimony be about what God did with your weakness and how he gets the glory when the battle is over. AC Talk. During my military days, I did a lot of team building and mass casualty drills. As a hospital corpsman serving alongside Marines, we were constantly training. We were learning how to function as one cohesive unit under some very stressful conditions. Worst case scenarios of life and death situations were thrown at us on a regular. It was a conditioning process. We had to work as a team, use quick critical thinking skills and know how to problem solve under pressure. Adrenaline would run so high in those moments. There were instances where I thought my heart would just, just beat right out of my chest. However, I also learned to quiet the fight or flight alarm bells going off in my body to be able to think through the chaos. It became second nature to be involved in a medical emergency, scared out of my mind, yet perform through what needed to be done to achieve a life-saving outcome. I was in therapy for about 18 months following the death of my twin brother and around the peak of that five-year time frame I mentioned before where I was on antidepressant and anxiety medication. I realized the skills that were taught to me as a hospital corpsman could help me through the mental health challenges years after active duty service. When my mind, body, and spirit were going through storms, I was, I was mentally capable of quieting the alarms going off inside of, inside of me, and I was, I was able to kick into critical thinking mode to figure out what exactly was the problem and what I needed to do to resolve it. So that 18 months just kind of helped me piece together those skills I already had and how to really translate them to what I was currently wrestling with. It goes back to the scriptures. God has already provided what we need to get through our storms. We are we asking, seeking, knocking for the solution. For me, it was already provided. I just couldn't see. I couldn't see it from a clear perspective because I was just so in a it just in a bad headspace. Living in an unhealthy mental space and subsequently 
um, functioning in an unhealthy manner is not my vibe, nor is it sustainable for this mommy at home now 40 years old. Because God wired me to be the analytical nerd that I am, the, the solutions to life storms, they have to be tangible and sustainable. I can't just enact something and do something and get on a regimen if I know is not working for me, if I know it's not sustainable. I'm talking about a lifestyle change. I'm not a fan of quick fix solutions to life's problems. It's not sustainable. And who, who wants to revisit old problems? That's not me. So sustainability is a form of long lasting solutions. And that's the key for me. I'm a woman of action and I like to keep it moving. Positive thinking and mindfulness exercises are only as practical as the actions they proceed, in my opinion, and in my experience. I study my storms. I break down every thought, feeling, and I sift and separate what is real and valid from what's merely a false perception or a skewed perspective. The actions I take before and during the storm determine how favorable the outcome will be. I started writing on the topic of anxiety and depression January 2022. It's such a sensitive topic. I wanted to make sure I I was at total peace with with what I was wrestling with and writing about before I even shared it in a book, a blog, or on a podcast. I knew what I was going through would one day need to be shared with my adult children if they so happen to go through the same struggles as, as I did. And by extension, whomever else could benefit from the AC pearls I gleaned from that season of my life. Sharing is caring, y'all. Your struggles are a part of your testimony and they're there to help others who, who may be going through or are on their way to a, those same storms in life. I say on their way because sometimes the storms they aren't easily recognizable. I'm, I'm still not sure if what I was going through when I wrote the chapter, that was chapter seven in my book, AC Pearls Writing a Legacy. I'm still not sure if it was postpartum depression, if it was a little bit of PTSD from my military days or a combination or something totally different. But when you get to the other side of the storms in life, it's beneficial to share what the process looked like for you in order to inspire and encourage others who may be on their way to going through that same struggle, that same storm. If you're a processor like me, sometimes it takes a month to sort and sift through the realities, uh, the thoughts and the feelings and unpack it all. Um, for the more challenging storms, it, it it's taken me a year or more to find the confidence and peace to write about it and publish it. By peace, I mean, I've done the work of sorting and identifying the issue. I've given the storm adequate time to apply the work. So my part in the chaos is managed well. And if needed, I've given time to allow others to work on their part in the chaos as well. Peace comes with a certain level of freedom. For me, I know I found peace when I'm, I'm free of any potential shame associated with the the storms I've been through in life. I'm on the other side of the storm and ready to share it and give God the glory and, and share what God has taught me on the topic of depression and anxiety. That particular season lasted five years. 
I started writing about it January 2022. I shared about it in my first book. I'm writing more in another book that has no publication data as of yet. I'm still writing. And the conversation has naturally come up to talk about it on this podcast in this episode. To set the context, I woke up one day in January 2023, a year later, and I had a heavy spirit. I felt sad and could not understand why. And those mornings particularly frustrate me because I'm not just about to wake up sad and have no idea. No, 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 no. I need to identify it. What's going on with me? Put a name to it. It was like my head was asking my body, what the heck is wrong with you? All while alarm bells are going off in my chest and my stomach. That's just a form of anxiety. Not completely unusual because I'd been dealing with depression and anxiety for years. Waking up not knowing what's wrong with me was my norm. I had a, a whole system in place on what to do when I woke up in those moods. In my book, I wrote about wrestling with anxiety and depression and how creating a mental health treatment plan with my doctors got me back to a stable and functional place where I would, I would have these moods, but was still able to live and function and, and, and have a productive day. The medication I was on helped to slow down the chaos, push snooze on the alarm bells that would go off in my body and provide the clarity to sift and sort what the heck was going on with me. It gave me the clarity to do the work Usually when I wake up in a whirlwind of mental confusion, I would jump up and take a cold shower to just reset my nerves, jump on a treadmill or, or get in some calisthenics on my bedroom floor, just automatically, no matter how I felt, get up and just do that cold shower, cold shower usually resets a lot of things, <laughs> just knocks you right out of whatever wires are, are scrambled up there. And then, you know, just getting some physical, uh, you know, physical action and just release, you know, half the battle. So boom, 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 did those things. At the time, hubby would already be at work. So I text him and, or call him and let him know what I was going through or what was going on with me mentally. He's my best friend and my, my support system. For me, it's not an option to struggle alone mentally. I'm already alone physically as far as not having adults in the house. The majority of my days are spent with my four daughters at home. I don't get a lot of quality adult <laughs> interaction <laughs> and I'm alone in, in, in that regard, physically, when, when I don't communicate what's going on with me mentally, that's another layer of isolation. That's, that's not okay for me. I've identified physical and mental isolation as a danger zone for, for me. So I have to reach out to my support system, which is my husband and let him know, Hey, this is what's going on. Not as a Debbie dump type of thing where I just kind of dump my feelings on him. That's toxic, but rather as a checks and balances to let him know, Hey, I'm, I'm going through this mood. Not sure why, but I'm, I'm doing the work of sifting and sorting it out and I'm communicating and that gives hubby the comfort in knowing I don't want to be in a danger zone. I want to do the work and sift and sort and get back to what's right with me. But also it gives him the opportunity to encourage and motivate me when I'm engaged in the mental battle. This is a text that I sent my husband uh, the morning, January, 2023 during my workout and 
I, I told, I text him, I'm working out, training my mind and waiting on my body to follow. Greater is he that is in me. This is not about flesh and blood. It's spirit. And my God is beyond able. Boom. I did the work. I communicated. And that is a hundred percent true. At that time, I was still on anti-anxiety um, and depression meds. I had contingencies in place for when I was not feeling myself or functioning at, you know, top capacity. Um, family life was unaffected and doing well. So good. We're, th- we're good there. And I was working on my mental health, working, excuse me, through my mental health treatment plan that my doctors were helping me through. Check. Things were stable for years while I was working with my doctors and on the medication. No complaints. Here's where I noticed I had a problem. Looking back, it was more a shift in a season than a problem. The difference between a shift in a season and a problem is is an unsettling feeling for me. Something just wasn't sitting well in my spirit. I had to idea it and work it out or it was going to bug me. Even though the medication was doing its job and I was doing what I had to do to maintain physical and mental stability in my life, there was no end game. I couldn't see the finish line. Like when was I going to be off these medication and be in a space where I didn't have to rely on medication to help me regulate myself, regulate my moods. I couldn't envision my life not needing medication when I had these random unprovoked panic attacks in public or when I woke up and I literally had zero energy to, or desire for that matter, to get myself out of bed. Here's the worst part. I was waiting on doctors to let me know when I was ready to wean off the medication. Year after year, I'd ask, hey, when do you think I'd be able to stop taking this, these medication? Because I didn't want to be on it for the rest of my life. I just kept expressing that to my doctors. I don't want to be on the medication for the rest of my life. You know, year one, two, three, four, five, now knock it on 40. Where's the, what's the end game here, guys? And God bless those doctors, but I haven't met not one doctor that would risk weaning a patient off medication and just see how it goes and see how, you know, see how they do on their own. Doctors just don't take risk like that nowadays because, especially with veterans, with the suicide rate in the veteran community, I knew I had to be the one to make the call and bet on myself. Now, listen, I'm not a doctor. This is by no means a public service announcement to veterans or anyone dealing with mental health battles to do as I did. I'm simply sharing my testimony what worked out for me and how God kind of helped me through that process. Everyone has to do what is right for them. And you know, your battles better than me. I'm just sharing my testimony. So the question for me became, what does it look like to be off medication, not have to spend the majority of my days in an energy sucking mental fight with alarms going off in my head, headaches, feeling fearful, paranoid, sensitive to emotional triggers, moody, and the list goes on. For me, it was 18 months of professional counseling with medication followed by a total body detox. Here's what I gleaned from 18 months of concentrated counseling sessions with the best psychologist I'd ever had the pleasure of working with. She was there for me at the beginning of my mental health struggle. And she was there for me when my twin brother died in 2020. And she was there for me up until I quote unquote graduated. 
out of the therapy, thankfully, before she retired in 2022. The main inspiration that I gleaned from that, that 18 months um, of therapy was this. Everything that I needed was already available to me to get myself out of whatever struggle I was dealing with. When God said his grace is sufficient for the day, I took that verse so literally. Whenever I'm struggling with or going through something, I have to remind myself he has already provided the solution. And oftentimes it was just up to me to ask, to seek and knock because my flesh, emotions and the fact that I'm prone to blind spots with how I perceive reality that was that was that was real. And so I had to remind myself, what did God say about that? Here are two contingencies that I've adopted as my my go-to during the storm. I'll give them to you up front. Number one, take every thought captive to the authority of Christ. Number two, starve the flesh and feed the spirit. Okay, so the first contingency, I have to take every thought captive to the authority of Christ. I'm talking about... Take every thought by the proverbial throat and challenge it, question it, and see if it's valid. Ask yourself, what does God say about this thing, this thought, this feeling, these triggers? Is it based on facts or is it perception? Is it just my feelings? Can it be verified? How do I know? Can it, can I be sure? Even in the storm, I remind myself that God is working everything out so I can take comfort in knowing he's got my back, even if I have no freaking clue what's going on or if I'm unable to answer those tough questions through the storm. For me, contingency number one is very much tangible. It is something I can actually do versus sitting around sad and helpless for myself. It's something I can rely on while wrestling through my storm or wrestling through that bad mental headspace. It's insightful. Taking those thoughts captive helps me to process confusion, process stress and depression. Uh, When I have to look up and research the human behavior that precedes certain thoughts and emotions, it's insightful. It's insight into human behavior and how how I'm dealing with it, how I should be dealing with it, and just looking at it from a different perspective. Feelings are incredibly transitory. A negative emotion can pop up. It can seize a person. It can distract us, distort um, our perspectives on a situation. And at that moment, I have a choice. I can react or And um, when I say react, I mean, just kind of just like reacting off of my feelings or I can take steps. I can take a beat. I can consider what's actually happening and going on with me. Just logically walking through it. Hold every thought captive. Negative thoughts and emotions are what seizes the mind and body and holds us in a pit It's a pity pit. It's a pit of shame. It's despair. It's bitterness. It's disgust. It's fear. And the list can go on. Glimpses of past mistakes and failures can play like a bad rerun in my mind if I allow them to. The weight of emotions associated with what's holding us down can seem like we're getting ran over, beat down, and literally held against our will. It it always amazes me how emotions way on you 
like they're actually like, like, like they're actual heavy objects holding us down, holding our entire body down. Yet we can't hold not one emotion in our hands. Isn't that interesting? Emotions are not physical yet. They don't have a form. They don't have a smell. We can't hold them in our hand yet. They hold us down. How, how, how is that? Can someone smarter than me, please just email me or send me a message on, on social media or something. Explain that to me. Um, that realization alone absolutely changed how I viewed emotions, their transitory in nature and how I treat them when they start to negatively take a toll on me. From that moment forward, no matter how strong the emotion or the the chaos surrounding a particular situation, I understood I already had the tools to work that thing out and It was my responsibility to hold my thoughts by extension, my emotions captive to the authority of Christ. Once I did my due diligence with that, all I had to do is persevere and wait out the storm with intentionality and practice. It got easier and easier and easier. And I started beating those mental battles. I've trained for mental storms so much so that I can almost see the collection of clouds forming in my mind and in my spirit. I can smell it coming. Kind of like how you feel when your knees start to ache because you know it's about to rain. (laughs) I don't know if any of you are going through that. But you know when something's coming. You, You sense it and you start to get ready for it. You prepare for it and you just wait for it to hit. During a storm, I have to give myself permission sometimes to just not be okay. Um, because sometimes it's, it's like that. Sometimes I'm not always going to have all the answers. I'm not always going to have everything uh, down to a T and I can, I'm able to itemize every little thing that's happening with me because I'm not all knowing. So I'm not always going to have all the answers and I understand that. But the peace of just knowing that I have these contingencies in place and I'm able to fight these battles with the help of God, of course, because it all boils back. It all goes back to taking those thoughts captive. That's what God said. But also just know this, not every storm is an attack. It doesn't always present like a battle. Some storms require me to simply be still. I know during my birthday and the holidays, memories of my twin brother, they, they start to affect me. It's okay to have some low energy days or, and some not so good days. For me, it's not okay to mope around like a sad sack of potatoes being an Eeyore and sucking the positive vibes out of other people. Um, that helps no one. It's unproductive and there's no space that I want to be in and, and operate like that. That's just not me. But the work of sorting and working through thoughts and emotions still need to be done, even in my sadness. What does that tangibly look like? First and foremost, I do my best not to project my pain on others by communicating my mood and intentions. There are days when I need to vent, of course. But as far as just dumping and not doing the work, never okay. Think of the 2011 Thor movie. Thor was upset about throwing and he was just throwing over tables because his coronation day was ruined. Loki comes in the room and Thor says, and I'm paraphrasing, he says, I'm in a foul mood. It's not wise to be in my presence, brother. (laughs) 
He knew his mood and he communicated, hence giving others the opportunity to <laughs> run or to be there knowing this person needs an ear, but they're not here to draw me into that, that, that negative headspace. So that's helpful. Uh, contingency number two, starve the flesh and feed the spirit. The flesh stays hungry and has a mind of its own. It feeds off of good and bad and it's, it's never satisfied. This is what I know about myself. I cannot speak for everybody, but when it comes to the appetite of the flesh, I do not want to undermine how difficult it can be, um, to deny it because it's, it's, it's hard. People do all sorts of things to appease the flesh, um, when they're going through something. Some people are stress eaters. They get stressed, they get worked up, they get triggered, and they go for something sweet. Um, others don't eat at all. I know when I came out of um, a fast, the first thing I want to do is eat everything that I see. By the way, there's why that's why you should never go to a grocery store hungry. If you ever walk in a grocery store and you have no idea why, <laughs> why you bought half the things you did not put on your shopping cart is because you went to the grocery store hungry. Your flesh is always hungry. And sometimes it's so like subconscious. You don't even know that you're just like eating with your eyes. Um, with practice and consistency over time, starving the flesh in order to feed the spirit gets easier. I realized in January, 2023, that I needed to be off medication to be my whole self again not reliant on medication. That's what I needed. I needed that for myself. At that point in my mental health journey, the use of prescribed medications shifted from a means to quiet the storm enough for me to think clearly for myself to become like kind of like that whole self. And then it just shifted from becoming an enabler to stay in a depressive state, if that makes sense. So the medications worked for a time but then my flesh kicked in and it just wanted, it just started to rely and depend on these medications in a very unhealthy way for me. I'd graduated out of my therapy sessions and I had all the tools I needed to self-regulate. So the medications didn't serve a purpose other than to remind me that I was becoming dependent on a substance to regulate my moods. And I wasn't okay with that. I wanted off and I wanted my brain and my body back completely. For me, and I'm always going to say that parenthetically, quote unquote, for me, for me, for me, because again, I'm just letting you know what I went through and hopefully it'll inspire you. But um, for me, a lifestyle change with my diet was crucial before I got off the medication. I did months and months of research on the effects of food, especially processed foods on hormones and overall health. My conclusion, less was best. With what little I do put in my body by means of like sugars and processed foods, I try to be very specific as I can to hit um, those nutritional goals and also stay away from the things that have zero nutritional value. And as you can imagine, that significantly reduced the amount of random consumption and, and adds on to the amount of time I spend in the kitchen making food from scratch. Sugar is a slow killer for me and a lot of people, a lot of the processed foods have gone up in price and not 
they've their nutritional value hasn't gone up with their prices um the french fry that falls between the car seats and doesn't decompose (laughs) may be the source of the triggers that were going on with me um the commercial products and cancer by the way i'm convinced a lot of these processed food processed foods um trigger cancers the commercial products we're putting on us and in our bodies are inhibitors that's kind of what I've been discovering with my research and it should be no secret to anyone. Um, they slow down or completely prevent the body from functioning at full capacity. There is an interference with your body when you're putting all this crap in and on it. it it's an interference with the healing process with blocking and um, protecting yourself your body can't block what needs to stay out if you're bombarding it with crap that doesn't belong in your body. Your body's not able to protect itself because the immune system and the defense system is just weak because we're constantly putting crap in our bodies that don't belong in it. And let me be clear, I love food. <laughs> I'm a foodie. I love food, but I love fresh food that doesn't have me running to the bathroom or have my mind kind of in this space where I know it's not performing at, at where it should be. Um, I've traveled all around the world. The United States is the only country out of at least 20 that I've been to that serves poison on a plate. Every country I've traveled to, the food is the, the freshest I've ever tasted in my life. Um, I didn't know what real pasta sauce was like until I had a bowl of pasta in Italy. It was a, it was, it was like this hole in the wall place, seemingly sketchy on the outside, but the best noodles and pasta I'd ever had in my life. I was overjoyed. Um, quick detour. My buddies and I had just got, my buddies and I had just got off the ship. We went to this little hole in the wall place. Um, the menu was kind of, uh, I, I don't like looking at menus. I look at the chef, I look at the waitress and say, what's your favorite dish? And, and put it on my plate. I'll eat whatever you put in front of me. Sweet old lady goes to the back. I can see her walking through the kitchen out a back door. She has this apron on and she starts picking tomatoes off a vine. Never seen it before in my life. And I'm like, is she, is she gardening what she's going to make for me? She comes back to the kitchen. You see flowers, salt and all sorts of things getting flown up in the air. 20 minutes later, a fresh plate of pasta. And I'm like, did you just make that from scratch? And I tasted it. <sighs> Blew my mind. Unbelievable flavors. I, I, I probably never tasted garlic before in my life until that moment. Seriously. Because it just, it just awakened my taste buds. It was so incredibly delicious. I was overjoyed and pissed <laughs> at the same time. Like, what have I been eating my entire life? First time tasting quality drinking water was when I went to Scotland. I drank from a natural spring while hiking in the Highlands. Um, The hostel I was staying in had a sign on the faucet that read spring water sourced. It was freezing cold, but it was fresh water and it tasted so good. Have you ever tasted water before? Like real water? (laughs) You taste the stuff that comes in a faucet. We boil our water, but... Oh gosh, it was just amazing. And I was invigorated taking a freaking shower. I didn't know water could taste so good and be so incredibly refreshing. It's taken hubby and I a few years to detox from fast food and processed foods. The downfall 
if you give up a lot of those conveniences, your children will complain and a lot more. And it takes more patience to get through the whiny hints. It's a lifestyle change. And it had to happen. It had to happen for me, for my mental health. And, you know, because my I've got four children still under my roof. You know what? You guys are going to learn this too. What you do when you get older and what you choose to put in your mouth is up to you. But don't ever tell me no one ever taught you. So. This is how I measure the effectiveness of our food detox after just six months of detoxing. I started to have physical reactions to processed foods. Sugar and processed foods is not part of mine or my family's normal diet, but the occasional sugar fix is okay. If we're at a birthday party or a wedding or a family get together, um, I want my girls to have fun with all the other kids. So they're allowed to eat as much as their bodies can stomach. Oh, pineapple. Which after a Pepsi, after just one Pepsi and maybe two cupcakes, my children turn green in the face. If they eat more than that, at least one girl will puke on the ride home. Eating a candy bar for me is a risk. I eat, if I eat only one Twix bar, um, I'm not going to make it home. And it, it's a gamble for me because my body has a physical reaction. If I'm at Sam's and you know how, if you're at the Sam's store, they give out those little samples of different foods they want you to try because they want you to buy it. If I even have two or three samples of what they're putting out, I may be at Sam's for a while because I will have an instant reaction. I'm on the toilet and sorry about the TMI. And so that's how I know our detox was working. And that's how I know what I was feeding my body before the detox. My body had no physical reaction. Uh, it was it's just in snooze mode. It, the, my defenses were down and food, I'm convinced, were just wreaking havoc on me. So today I'm selective about what I put um, in my body because I've built up an intolerance for a lot of foods. Um, same with my skincare routine, skincare products. I don't use lotions. I don't use face washes and stuff like that. I um, I use oils, just uh, lots and lots of oils, jojoba oil, you know, argan oil. Um, I buy in bulk and I just refill this little vial that sits in my shower, or sits on my, my bathroom sink, and I just oil my body. And of course, a lot of essential oils. A lot of like the soaps and stuff I like to make myself, or if I do buy soaps, I like it to have less than five ingredients and the ones that I can read or look up in a book. <laughs> um, the last time I put on makeup, I had a reaction. I tried to put on makeup for a, a photo shoot and no joke, I put the makeup on and it was cute. I started taking photos. My face started breaking out in hives and I went back to the car, got some rose water and kind of rinsed off my face. I, I keep a vial of oil in my car and I put some, um, some of my oil on my face, just rubbed it in like, like lotion, but it's just pure oil. And within minutes, my face kind of stopped reacting and I went back and finished my photo shoot. No problem. So starving the flesh is more than just watching what you put in and on your body. When it comes to regulating my moods, um, medication was the last thing to go. 
I tried cold turkey for a week and had some major withdrawals. <laughs> it scared me to death. And I quickly learned, and a lot of you probably are going to laugh at this, but nope, you can't do it that way. Just cannot quit cold turkey, especially when you've been on antidepressants and anxiety meds for five years. Do not do that. Learn my lesson. Got to wean off slowly. So the dosage that I was taking got like slower and slower. I had to wean myself off very slowly over weeks and months um, to eventually I was taking zero medication. Um, I took notes of my moods. I told you earlier, I like to study myself. I study my moods. I, I, I kind of log what's going on with me um, just to kind of pinpoint, okay, uh, just make notes for myself. So if it happens again, I kind of have an idea of what to expect especially with those inevitable triggers in life that comes around. I want to know how I react to things and, and before I go into certain situations. So it took me, I would say, three solid months to wean off the medication. Um, I considered my detox journey a success. And yeah, the last time I took a pill, I remember I said, okay, we're done. And then a week later, I was kind of like looking over my shoulder like, okay, am I about to pop off Is is, is, am I going to be back in the bed or what's going to happen? But hey, it worked out for me. And after two weeks, I felt like I was in the clear. And I'm grateful to say as, as of my 40th birthday this year, zero medication, medication free. And that season of my life is over. And I didn't have to bring that version of AC into this current season of my life. And I'm, I'm grateful to God for that. Here's an AC Pearl to wrap up the segment. My detox journey involved taking accountability for my health journey, looking at what was sustainable and making necessary lifestyle changes. Although I had a, a solid support system, no one can do the work that only I could do for my whole health and well-being. For me, that involved a lot of prayer, researching and getting to know myself. And also just staying in my word and just reading how God designed the body to function and heal. Everyone's journey is different and it, it all involves work. Do the work. Discover what works and, the, and what doesn't work for you in, in the season that you're going through. And set yourself up for success. Whole health is important, not only for our personal well-being, but for our family. Those children are watching and they're learning from mommy and daddy. They are learning from the battles that we're fighting behind closed doors. You may think they don't see, they, you may think they're not watching, or they don't notice your moods, your, your kinks, your kicks, and all the things that you're kind of wrestling with, but they are taking notes. Give them a template for those unseen battles. Show them the tools to fight the battles they may face one day and pass on a stronger legacy. All right, that concludes the conversation for today. I trust the podcast encourages you to continue the conversation in your family circle. Stop by my IG and Facebook page at ACS Visions. Show me some love, share your comments on the episode and how this podcast is encouraging you. You can also visit my website at www.acsvisions.com. You'll find a link to send me an email if you'd like to show your support that way. 
As a reminder, episodes are published every Thursday. Be sure to like, subscribe, and follow on your favorite podcasting platform so you get notified the moment a new episode drops. Thank you for listening to the AC Visions Family Talk Podcast. Until next time. Thank you.